What's going on, guys? Welcome back. Welcome to another episode of Action Movie Anatomy here on a Wednesday afternoon. We've got a very special movie to talk to you guys about this week. In honor of the release of Justice League this weekend, we're talking about the very first movie in the current DCEU, Man of Steel. Some love it, some hate it. We love Kevin Costner. We're going to talk to you guys in just one quick second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! Uh, how's that music sound, Sam? <laughs> Welcome to the show, Sam. God, God. Uh, this <laughs> <is> <laughs> terrifying, guys. You're back in the arena. I don't... I. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, my probation officer told me I'd have to do some community service, but he didn't say this yes, would be depth. this. We should really have opened the show with chrome Slurpee cups. We really should have. <laughs> God damn it, we really should have. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy. It's Wednesday. We're here. We've got a very special guest. Uh, we're talking. We're talking Man of Steel. People were excited about talking about this movie. Really? Whatever, man. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck ever? I'm so mixed about it. I am so mixed on this movie. Yeah, people. People. Um, people love this movie. Like people hate this movie, but there are people that really, truly love it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about it today because it is such a controversial, controversial film to be talking about in the. Uh, in the superhero universe, and today I think we got a perfect guest for it, even mm. though I'm not super happy to see him. <laughs> yeah, I, no, uh, I don't blame you. Got our good buddy Sam Levine, talented yes. actor. Oh. He is honestly a movie trivia aficionado. <laughs> yes. As are you guys, please. And he is one of the four people to ever have defeated Team Action in a battle. Yes. God damn it, I hate Ooh. him! It was a really uh, a tough match. It was tough to, uh, to watch that air, but... Um, you know, it's that's life. One thing I will say is that we do love doing the show. We love doing the Schmodown. <laughs> and honestly, as much as we hate losing, and yep. I hate losing, guys. He I does. hate it more really than almost anything in the world. Yeah. Yep. Sam and Drew are probably the cool, two coolest dudes to lose to. Oh, yep. thank you. They're legitimately. Yeah, I felt legitimately bad. Uh, um, I felt legitimately bad like talking smack to you guys yeah and it, it just was like one of those I, I had to you know you had to like kind of muster the energy yeah 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 you know uh, like, what do you say about people you like well that's I hate John Roca so it's yeah. easy for you <laughs> god he's such a good and easy heel to mock uh, yeah no that's uh, uh, that is tough when they when they really want you to play it up and you're like I, can't, I just can't he's wonderful she's great uh, so you gotta find your angles but I think the, the the thing is that the bulk of the fans yeah not all yeah, of them most some of them think it's real, but the bulk of them, are, they know yeah. we're putting on a show, and, and you guys put on a hell of a show. So I always, uh, I always invite you to say whatever you want to say. Yes, absolutely. I, you know, it's like I, I hate you, Sam. All right, I know. I know. It's also hard not to, like, in some ways, root for for Drew because he'll have his kids with him sometimes. Oh, I know. <laughs> Everyone's so sweet, and they're such fans of the they're show. Such fans of the show, they, and they're the biggest trash talkers oh in that God. room. Oh my amazing. God. They're amazing. You so. can hear them. You're just like you don't know it. You don't, you don't know it. it. Should have studied. <laughs> it doesn't even matter who's playing. They'll just say, you suck, Snyder. Yeah, yes. I, I don't think the mic even picks them up, but we can all hear it in the room, and it's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we're very happy you're here today, Sam. Thank you so much for coming. My I know pleasure, you're guys. super busy, dude. Happy to be here. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about this weird movie. Huh? Yeah. All right. If this movie is... Uh, so this was when it all started, right? The DCEU, and at the time that it started, that people had this idea that okay, you know, DC is going to do their version now, right? Yeah. Marvel had, had Avengers the year before, so this was this was the first foray into it for DC, yeah. and this is definitely a weird foot to start on because 
Yeah. In retrospect, I actually think people like this movie more than they did at the time. For sure. I definitely feel that that's a, a strong point because we were all expecting so much because of what right. had happened with The Dark Knight and what had happened in the Marvel Universe. And you Nolan's like, name was all over this movie. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And also, I think what the other funny part is that this movie... Uh, made people really think about Superman Returns. I was not aware of the fact that people hated that movie so much until yeah. this movie oh, came yeah. out. Yeah. I thought Superman Returns, I remember being like, oh, it was, it was okay. Like, I kind of liked that movie. And then I found out that everyone hates that movie. I remember that, hmm. like, despising that movie. I don't remember it very well. I, I remember it fairly well. I, I personally didn't uh, dislike it. But then again, and this is nothing new to you guys and hopefully not new to the audience listening <laughs> and watching, comic book movies are not my chosen genre right. as a fan so they're all kind of in the same milieu to me and it's like I, it's hard for me personally to judge one against another because they're all there's flying people and, and you greatly stuff. prefer animated films as you well know <laughs> as you well know but that's why I loved the Dark Knight trilogy it's the best ever it's set in our world yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, absolutely no, there's no one with superpowers in that world yeah. not even in like an Iron Man sense yeah where you know like uh, with the with the what was his face in uh, the second one Whiplash, uh, oh, Whiplash. Yeah. like that that's not a come on, but but I that's why I love the Dark Knight, and so I remember the same thing. Like, oh, Nolan's all over this thing. He's yep. producing it. He's doing a you know an unwritten or an uncredited rewrite or whatever. Yeah. And I was I was excited to see this movie, and I saw this in theaters. One of the rare comic book movies I plunked down the uh, fifteen dollars to see in a theater. And how did you feel when you walked out? Very mixed about it. Well, Very yeah. mixed. So I think one of the most interesting things about this movie, and uh, we'll get to introing and everything in just a second, but is that. Uh, Nolan created this new paradigm with the superhero movie when he did the Dark Knight trilogy. And the yeah. reason that it was new was because he was like, I'm going to make this movie that's not fantastical. It's totally rooted in reality. Yeah. It's going to be dark. It's going to take itself really seriously. It's going to win an Oscar. Uh, yeah. And that's what people then walked away from it thinking, okay, DC was like, we have to follow that. So we'll put Nolan's name on this movie. We're going to have to make a Superman movie that feels like it's rooted in reality. Right. Which is where DC started this whole self-seriousness thing that was like... It, it, they realized after a couple movies, like we can't just do this. Like it doesn't work. You can't have you can't have everybody running around in capes and fighting Martians and like yeah. and laser beams and have it feel like it's based in reality. It doesn't. You can't do that. It does not work. No, 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 no. no. So anyway, guys, uh, this is Action Movie Anatomy. We cover action movies on the show. Those action movies adhere to four basic rules. Number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. I mean, absolutely, Superman does. Yeah. As much as saving people since he was a kid when he wasn't supposed to. For 33 years. Uh, Rule number two, the movie is driven by, uh, sorry, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, dinosaurs, aliens, what have you in the room. Um, I mean, he's smarter than Earth because he's stronger. Yeah, and I think Zod is is probably, I mean, I don't know who's smarter than Zod in this case. If I had to assign to Zod, I would say he's as brilliant as he is cunning. (laughs) He's as brilliant as he is cunning. Um, rule number three, the movie is driven by a police, p- military, political, or mercenary figure. This we just miss on. It yeah. makes sense. Most superhero movies we do miss on in that category because they're superheroes. Unless it's like The Punisher or something. Yeah. You really get yeah. away with it. And rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. This movie is late. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Explosion film. Oh, yeah. He's got 12 abs. Every one of them is an explosion. You know? <laughs> Hello. Exactly. <laughs> he does look incredible. Uh, and when you looked up the trivia for this movie, I don't know if you noticed the first seven pieces of trivia were about his diet for the movie. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> it was all just like, it was like uh, Henry Cavill and what he had to put in his body to achieve the body. The next one was like, in a rare interview, Henry Cavill talked about the diet that he went on for the shirtless shot. Zack Snyder. a whole cow. Yeah. Henry Cavill would eat a whole cow every morning for, yeah. Mm. Zack Snyder gave uh, Henry Cavill a tub of ice cream and a pizza after the shirtless shoot. I was like, wow, isn't there more to talk about in this movie than him with his shirt up? <laughs> no, no. In all two hours and 40 minutes of it. So, uh, without further ado, let's hop into the trailer. Yes. Which is maybe one of my favorite things about the film. Yes, trailers magnificent. The world's too big, Mom. Then make it small. This trailer to me was like the on the same level as the Dark Knight trailer to the Evening Commissioner trailer of how excited I was for the movie. Pretend it's an island. So I just love Diane Lane. Who doesn't? You know, the score here uh, reminds me of the score from Gladiator. The Gladiator. Yeah. It's, it's the just same like thing. thing. Yeah. Uh, that's why. And Man on Fire, and it's a fourth movie that they used it in. So the, the Scots really own that music, is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. He saw what Clark did. You have to keep this side of yourself a secret. What was I supposed to do? God, he's a good dad. Let him die? Yeah. Maybe. I have so many questions. So many questions. Where do I come from? The supporting cast in this film is fantastic. Yeah, it's a huge cast. You just have to yeah. decide what kind of man you want to grow up to be, Clark. And this is when Shannon was on top of the world too. Yeah. Whoever that man My is. My favorite character might be the uh, manager of the IHOP. Oh, uh, Ross or Ross? Oh, the kid that he beats up as a kid. Yeah, that yeah. yeah. beats him up. Yeah. excited for this movie yeah, when we hadn't seen anything other than Dark Knight yet and it's all over the trailer yeah, yeah. he says produced by Christopher Nolan it reject me he was convinced that the world wasn't ready what do you think Yeah. One of the one of the best trailers. Ever. I like that it. is a very well put together trailer. I love it. I just like it gets me pumped for the movie and and it's it's because uh, the first minute is yeah. all the stuff about the movie that's great, which is all the relationship stuff and him. Sure. I mean, that's what's great about this movie is the first hour when he's doing his thing and he's hiding and he's saving people and you yeah. see him with his parents. Like, that's what I love about it. And then they don't really put any dialogue behind any of the action, which is the problem in the movie is that it lasts for an hour. And yes, <laughs> just really yelling at each other. It just yeah. feels like it's so long. Look at that yeah. gavel shirt off. It's coming up. Oof, it's coming up. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean that's one of the things we talk about on the show. And before we get into thesis and, our, and teasing our segments, like we always talk about, the action is not the best part of action movies. It's right. the moments in between that really ground it in reality and make you feel something. And like this is the definition of a film that the best parts of it are literally everything but the action conversations between A-list actors having moments that's yeah. like, like that's like yeah. what makes this movie good and then all of the crazy action is like well something else we'll talk about that in a second but uh, right. if the people want to follow along uh, where can they find you guys Sam where can folks find you oh uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Sam Levine S-A-M-M-L-E-V-I-N-E 
Uh, you guys can follow me everywhere online at Andrew Guy, and you can find our Facebook fan page. We got the Action Army fan page. We have the Action Movie Anatomy fan page. They're both out there. Please join them. Yep, and uh, you guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media, Twitter, and Instagram. Today on the show coming up, we are going to talk about our favorite dads in Action Movie Anatomy reviewed films in honor yes. of the great Kevin Costner. Ooh. We're going to talk about movies that we wish the trailer was all we ever saw. Ooh. And then uh, we are also going to do all of our fun things, thesis statement, fist pump moments. So without further ado, I say we jump straight into thesis statement. Yeah, so and... Go ahead. Oh, no, no, please, please. For those of you listening or watching uh, for the first time, thesis statement is your, your biggest, boldest, greatest thought about the film. So that thing when the movie comes up at a party and you're like, well, here's the thing about Man of Steel. And you're going to hold court. You're just going to convince people of this thing. And it's going to exist through the whole conversation. And you kind of defend it all throughout. Uh, we each have one big statement prepared about this film. Uh, who would like to jump in first? I'm going to jump in first. Go ahead. Because... Uh... I feel pretty strongly about mine, and that's that I think that Nolan's name being attached to this film was the biggest misstep. It wasn't like Snyder didn't have a following, yep. and it wasn't like if you made a new superhero movie, people wouldn't go watch it. But I understand putting Nolan's name on it, right? Of course. Because he's the biggest director in the world. He created some of the best films ever, especially superhero-wise. Yeah. So you go and you're like, all right, let's throw his name on this. I mean, that's one of the reasons I got excited for it. Totally. But it's also the main reason I walked away being like, what the hell did I just watch? Yeah. Because Nolan wouldn't do something like that. Even with a movie like Dunkirk that felt a little long-winded. Yeah. This movie is 40 minutes too long almost. Yeah. That's a long time. It's a lot of wasted space in there, you know? Like, yep. the Spielbergs and the Nolans and the Camerons of the world cut that in the editing room somewhere right. in there. And Snyder has a big problem with, with telling stories and telling them way too heavy-handedly and taking way too long to tell them. And he doesn't actually tell the story. He just paints a picture of it. Yeah. It's beautiful on film. It's what he's best at is, is painting a picture. So my point behind this is, although saying his name probably put butts in the theater which is at the end of the day the most important thing to the production company yep. uh, from an artistic standpoint and from people that are movie fans that to me made this movie not as good as I was expecting it to be and I try not to go into things with expectations but you throw Nolan's name on anything yeah. it's going to be amazing especially in 2013 he had just literally the four movies he had just done in a row were yeah. the three Batman films with Inception sandwiched in exactly. there yeah. and even the people that thought, think Rises is not as good as others like we all loved Bane we all like walked out of that oh movie thinking God, yeah. hey, that movie's awesome and yeah. like this was the next thing with Nolan's name on it Totally, so. and, and we all know, and like whether you know a lot about making films, and you've been, a, you know, that's what you've done for your life, mm -hmm. or whether you've just studied it, or whatever it might be, we all know at the end of the day, when you hear a producer's involved, you're like, oh, well, that's the guy with the money, so he should be able to make some pretty strong moves, when right? Th when this movie came out, you and I were obsessing over the Interstellar trailer. We were yeah. so excited for Interstellar at oh, that yeah. point, that like, so how do you, so I, I agree with you, I think Nolan's name being attached to this, it brought a pedigree and an expectation that was almost impossible for the film to really live up to. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, if I had a thesis statement about this film, it would be, um, it's a story about my two dads. <laughs> about your two dads? No, That's about, about uh, Superman's <laughs> two dads. Oh, I thought you were going to say, you, you have a similar story. Where are you from, No, 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 no. <laughs> My Two Dads was also the name of a television program. That's not important. Oh, no, okay. no. I, yeah. um, uh, it's about Superman's two dads and how they... Uh, one of them raised him uh, in a weird kind of, uh, you know, vision sort of way yep. uh, when he was older. But then when he was younger, he was raised by uh, Costner. And obviously that there is a it, it is revealed that there was a bit of a chasm of difference in how they saw his role on Earth. Right. And uh, and so that's. That, to me, is, I don't want to say the driving force of the movie, but it is the driving force of, of Superman, of, of uh, Kal-El, yeah. uh, is 
first being raised one way and then as he was in adulthood learning about his father and his past and seeing things a different way and that to me is the important part of understanding the the, the new superman that they're presenting to us and uh, i think that was the the crux of the of the story to me at least uh, in, in trying to get behind him as a character and understand his relationships and how he saw himself as fitting into the world was my two dads. And totally. also, yeah, and I think it's interesting you say that because a lot of people's major complaint of this movie is the Costner moment with the with the tornado. Yes. And it's interesting because obviously that that moment is when the one father says you can do anything and you should right. bring you should save this world right. and you should protect yeah. this world. you can do anything you want. Yep. And the other father says if you reveal who you are they'll reject you. You can't do anything you want. Yeah. Ultimately, he ends up listening to Costner as his real father, and he doesn't save him. In that moment. In that, in moment. that one moment. Yes. And, and I wonder, the one thing I was kind of waiting to hear in this movie, and he doesn't say, and I couldn't remember, because I've, I've seen all the DCEU movies one time. Mm-hmm. At some point in another movie, does he say that he regrets not saving his father? Do you guys know? I I, I've remember. still not seen Batman versus Superman, so I could not tell you. I saw it. I don't remember if he says I'm it. I'm pretty sure he, he never says that, which I think right. is very interesting. But, um... I, I really like that because I so for long story short, we're the colliders doing their superhero thing and yeah, I was yeah. on that and they asked us about um they asked me about first class today and it's like, what is first class really about? And I was like, Well, it's actually just about Magneto and Professor X like meeting and why they are the way they are. And yep. so when you go back and you say this is the story of the two dads and you talk about the best thing in this movie, the movie ends when Costner dies for you basically. Yeah. That's exactly what this film is. It is literally just about Costner and Crow and you got Henry in the middle yeah and it's like that is why I I actually really like the way they tell the story and why he becomes the way he, he does is because of these great performances by Crow and Costner and like yeah. really I mean it's really hard because no matter what at the end of the day I can't get on board with him dying it's, it's yep. a huge it, it is a huge issue for me but right. the way he dies because in in, and I've never read the comic books, and yeah. I realize that that is sacrilegious to many, many people. Yeah, I'm only familiar with the original Superman from 1978, and in that one, uh, Pa Kent yeah. dies of a heart attack. Right. The one thing Superman with all his powers cannot save right. him from. So it's like it makes sense. And yeah. that's yeah. that's the driving force in his sadness over losing his father is like it's the one thing you can't do. You can't right. turn back time, Superman. Right. The one thing you want to do, you can't ever do, and that's why it's such a big fucking deal yeah. when he does it to save <laughs> Lois Lane at right. the end of the movie. So this removes that enormous element of morality from Superman and and learning what he can and can't control. Right. And, yeah, because uh, that's so much more interesting about something you can yeah. and can't do instead of something you will and won't do. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we all know when push comes to shove, <clears throat> especially now that he's Superman, there is nothing, there is no moment, that moment will never come up again. Right. Well, also because the whole idea with Superman, the issue with him as a character has always been, we've talked about this on the show a lot of times, for Superman to win... It's not about trying hard. To win, he has to try really, really hard. And that's right. always the issue. <laughs> yeah. So, like, if that's the case, then it's way, way, way more interesting to have him fight obstacles that he's unable to defeat. Because right. it right. doesn't make him just try harder, which is, like, not that interesting to watch him just struggle. It's like, hey, you're going to be cast as Superman. Can you, like, furrow your brow and grunt really hard? Because if you're great at that, we're going to cover you in CGI yeah. and it'll Got work. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, anyway, um, my thesis statement is not about Superman. It's actually that... The character of Lois Lane ruined female supporting characters in comic book movies forever. Ugh, and wow, Amy Adams tough. does nothing yeah. to save it. 
Um, it's, it's it's really tough, man. I because, mean, now before you go, to, I don't mean to stop you before you can rant. Yep. How much of it is her fault versus how much of it is the writer's fault? Both. Right. Okay. Um, so I'll start with just the character of Lois Lane. She's the earliest superhero supporting female character there is in a prominent role back in 1938 in Action okay. Comics 1. So Joe Shuster, Jerry Siegel, they create this idea. And at the time, it's a white male in a cape and he's running around and he's got his reporter girlfriend and that's Lois Lane. And over the years... That was a successful comic, so other comics copied the formula, and as we developed as a culture and more comic book characters were created, and DC and Marvel expanded, the universe is all of the female characters, by and large, that, that support the popular characters, they're these, like, strong women who support, and they're just understanding enough, mm-hmm. and they're just compassionate enough, but they never really do anything that, the, that their male counterpart can't do, and they don't really ever get to make any decisions, and the hero never really makes any sacrifice for the woman. He always makes it for the greater good of the world. That's what it is to be a hero. They're all the same. Yeah. That's what Lois Lane is. She's a feisty reporter, sure, and she's like shown to be capable, but in this movie... She's just like, oh, I get you just, you'll save the world. You just do what you got to do, and I'll just keep being human. And that's like Natalie Portman and Thor, and that's you know so many of these characters you get in these films. And and yeah. I, I I truly believe it is, it's the writers, write better characters. Look at how well they wrote Chris Pine in yes. his female superhero. Exactly, movie. that's the one that shows the whole thing because Chris Pine, even though he's in support of he's her. He's the damsel in distress. But he has his own story. Exactly. And he does what he can do. And, and mm. you find his character engaging. I mean, this is not this movie's fault. This is, like, where... This this whole trend started 80 years ago. So what are you going to do? Like, it's... Right. We were in a different place as a country 80 years ago when the character was created and everything starts there. So... But then you, you come to this film and she's fine. I actually think she's really miscast as Lois Lane. Like, I don't like yeah. her as Lois Lane. Well, a lot of people just say... I mean, it, it is Amy Adams. It's not Lois Lane. Her first you know? line in the movie about, like, let's let's put our dicks away or whatever she says. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Let's, now that the dick measuring contest is over, where's my room or yeah. something like that. I yeah. just was like, I just don't believe you saying that. Not because you're, like, a bad actress. You're a really good actress. You're one of the better actresses, like, of our moment. Like, this in yeah. this generation, you're one of the most prominent actresses. I just don't believe you as Lois Lane. Like, I don't like this character from the second you open your mouth. Okay, so who's your perfect Lois Lane? There you go. That I don't know. Uh, Roxy. Emily Blunt. Roxy said she thought Emma Stone should have played Lois Lane, which I think is an interesting idea. Um, She's kind of goofy. Alicia Vikander, anybody? (laughs) I mean, I like what you guys are saying, but I think that's too young of a a Lois Lane. I mean, she's Mm -hmm. supposed to be this seasoned reporter who's seen and done a lot. I don't think she can be 26. Totally, and I, I I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't really know don't know who I would choice. put in there. Uh, and I, I I agree, it's not her fault. Amy no. Adams is a great actress. Yeah, and, like she can take on anything she's given. She just wasn't given a lot in this character. Um, that, so my point was mm-hmm. less. It's partly about Amy Adams. It's more about the fact that watching Amy Adams, I was like, why does this bother me so much? Yeah. And it was like, I think it's a systematic problem with these characters being written the way they're written. You can't do that much. You just can't. Yeah. She would have to She would have to do something Superman can't do in a way that really drives the story well, for even her to feel relevant. Batman versus Superman, she has to grab the like Krypton trident yeah, that right. he can't pick up. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert. I know you've been oh, dying to watch man. it. So anyway, guys, those are our thesis statements. Please throw them in the live chat. Throw them in the video in the comment section or throw them on the Facebook page or Twitter. Let us know. Hashtag thesis statement. And uh, let's get going on to our fist pump bit. moment. So if you guys are watching the show, listening to the show for the first time, fist pump moment <laughs> is that moment something happens. You kind of look around at your buddies. Are like, have you seen this right now? This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. She I get to watch the rest of this movie. go 
down. You want to call your buddy, make sure he turns the movie on to exactly that minute. Share this moment with me right now. I don't, I don't care what you're doing. you got to watch this. Uh, that's what Fist Pump Moment is. And this movie definitely has some Fist Pump Moments for me. Uh, spoiler alert, we already watched my fist bump moment. It's the fucking trailer. Whoa. It's, <laughs> it is. I literally wanted to like develop an entire outline just about how much I love this trailer. And mm. every game I have, I feel like, just reflects the trailer. Okay. Yeah. But like, that's where I start. This this watching the trailer like makes me like brings me to tears almost. I just think yeah. it's so good. Um and, and I guess I could I could transpose some of my favorite moments from the trailer into a discussion of the actual movie and maybe that's a better fist bump moment but it's just I feel so much more strongly about this trailer than I do about anything in the movie yeah I got I, had, I got into a conversation with someone the other day about trailers and about my favorite trailers of all time and I pulled up this one specifically I was like you don't understand this is one of the greatest trailers ever made and they're like I've never really watched trailers yeah that's oh. not a thing that I do what a what a waste of a life right I know it's like I mean she, they're like I'll see I'll see trailers before movies and all that but like you and I again. We watched the Interstellar trailer maybe fifty times before yeah. it came out, sure. just because it was really so good. Trailer. Sure, and I get it. I get it. It really, it really was one of those shows when you watched it, it felt like something really special was going to happen. Prior to Wonder Woman, I used to start conversations with people by saying the the single best thing to ever happen to the DCU is Man of Steel trailer two. Bar none, no question. It's not even close. Like throw right. all the rest of that crap out. Wow. Extended versions, like all of it. This is better than everything. That's all I need. So that's my opinion, guys. Uh, you know, <laughs> fight me. Yeah, we will. I will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have a fist pump, Sam? I do. Um, it's a very quick moment, but uh, for me, the Superman character being as old as it is, and we've seen so many incarnations of it, and you know, when you're watching a movie like this, you're like, how? What can they do new? Yeah, what can they right. possibly show me about Superman that I haven't seen before? And for me, in this one, it was when uh, after he's learned about his true self and his powers, and he's like learning to control, and he's starts really flying. Yeah. yeah. There's a, a really badass moment where he really takes off and gets tiny in the frame because he's so far away and then you see the little sonic boom. Yes. Yeah. The sonic bubbles. Yeah. And I was like, that boom. is a nice tip of the hat to something we have never seen before yeah. in terms of just how fast he is going. Uh, yeah. And for those of you who don't know, the uh, speed of sound uh, is approximately 750 miles per hour. So he's going pretty fast, guys. Yeah. And you feel it. Right? Yeah. As an audience member, you're like, yeah. God, what would that be like? And yeah. those are the moments that Snyder does really well because that's that's what he's best at is creating a picture. And so when yeah. you when you need a moment of Superman flying and you want to make it feel special, like that's what you watch a Zack Snyder film for is this incredible picture where you're like, oh man, that's if you just if I was just dreaming and I just thought of this image, this yeah. would be the coolest thing I could think of. Yeah, like I mean when when Krypton is dying essentially yeah. and his mother is watching it that's a beautiful picture beautiful I really shot. like all that Krypton stuff at the beginning yeah. a lot of people don't like that stuff I think it's all really cool and the, and the flying beast or whatever yeah. oh, sacrifice you, himself do you mean the the uh, the, the extra from uh, Avatar <laughs> oh, yeah exactly right whatever it's <laughs> the, called the, cast. The, the unused giant dragonfly let's throw him in this movie yeah that was definitely random uh, come to me beast yeah <laughs> Crows. Russell Crowe. He's in his gladiator on. attire all of a sudden. He's in his gladiator attire in front of a green screen. I'm the greatest actor in the world. This is yeah. stupid. Russ is a dumb, yeah. dumb, different movie. Uh, for me, it's actually a Zod moment. Oh. It's at the very beginning when he's captured. And he's like, you think you could hide him from me? I will find him! Yeah. And he, starts, he just keeps screaming it over yeah. and over. But he's insane. Yeah, he's crazy. Like, he, like Shannon, <laughs> Shannon is so good at being a crazy bastard. <laughs> right. That, like, in that moment, I'm like... 
he's gonna find him. He will find him. <laughs> but he didn't find him in the way Zod meant. <laughs> right. Like Zod was looking, Zod couldn't find him. As we learn later in the film, he, Zod only found him because Superman erroneously triggered the thing. The thing right. 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 And exactly. then he gave away his position. But I never would have found him. He wouldn't have found him. But he. But for some reason, that moment, you're like, he will though. Right. I know he will. His. It's. It's also the thing that I love at the end. It's. It's very similar when he's talking to uh, Jor El and he's saying. Uh, you know, I will harvest Krypton's whatever from your son's corpse. Yeah, right. And, and, you, and he's like, I promise you I'll do this. Something like that. And you're yeah. like, God damn it. I believe him again. I know Superman's going to win, but, like, I love Zod. Michael, I love him. Michael Shannon's one of those actors that, like, there's he's a really good actor. Uh, mm-hmm. and, he's, and he's actually had a really nice career these last five or eight years. But he's one of those actors that, like, just looking at him, like, if he doesn't open his mouth, you're like... This guy's gonna play a character that's a little bit off. I can just tell. I can just tell. <laughs> he's just like he just has that look in his eye mm-hmm. uh, of the type of characters that you know he's gonna play. It feels like they're always gonna be villains or like just like a little quirky or weird. Yeah, and it just it works. You know, some people people are typecast for certain roles, and he's mm. very good at that type of role. Uh, I still only see him as uh, his role in Groundhog Day. Oh, is he in Groundhog oh, Day? Oh yeah, he's the tiniest role. Oh in really? Groundhog Day, yeah. He's the guy who uh, they they get WrestleMania tickets for. Ah, oh, funny. I don't even remember. It's been so long since I've seen the that beginning. movie. I think it's Fred and Debbie Kleiser are their names. Oh him my and his god, wife. that is unbelievable. Why isn't that a question? Stop yeah, right? showing off, Sam. Yeah, whatever, dude. We should have won. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, all right, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this this conversation. It started with my fist pump moment here. Uh, the trailer. So I believe this trailer is amazing, as I've said already, yep, and yep. it brings to mind the question. What is a movie that each of you believes the trailer is all that ever should have been released? Somehow, somehow the master print of the film should have been lost in a fire after the trailer premiered. Mm. I mean, never should have seen the movie. You know, I'm going to hop in first because I have a great one, and it's because we covered it on the show. Is it Congo? It's Atomic Blonde. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's... Because Atomic Blonde, and this is, I actually didn't know what movie I was going to talk about. There's so many. Prometheus is another great one, incredible yeah, trailer. Uh, Star Trek 2009 even though I love the movie the trailer yeah. is so, so good, good. Yeah, uh, Interstellar another one Yeah, but for me Atomic Blonde was such a letdown it was such a miss when I went and watched it I love Charlize she's super hot she's a badass she did great in Mad Max she's yeah. an incredible actress the movie just missed and I think what we saw was that when Stileski and um, uh, what's the other guy's name oh, it's, um, David Leach David Leach when they yeah. separated after doing the first John Wick Stileski was probably the maybe the bit stronger of the director of the two because when you saw John Wick 2 you were like oh, okay it, it did all the same things again but it, it, it did them in a little bit of a new way like we were talking about with Superman flying sure, like sure. Yeah. it definitely still kind of drug on a little bit but for me watching Atomic Blonde he kind of missed everything Yeah, the stylistic choices of the coloring uh, the script everything the, the misuse of Charlize it was just a bummer whereas the trailer was phenomenal I mean I, back in March we talked about movies like summer and into the fall that we were most excited for. I think Atomic Blonde was my top three. I was like very excited for that movie. Um, Did you see The Snowman? No, I've not seen The Snowman, (laughs) nor have I seen Atomic Blonde, so I can't even weigh in on that. Okay, okay, fair enough. Do you have a movie for yours for this, or no? It's okay if you don't. I I do, and I had one that I was texting uh, uh, Ben about yesterday, but I'm going to change my mind on it. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say War of the Worlds. Oh, it's a great trailer. That, that was is. a phenomenal yes. trailer because it gave so little away. Yeah. It left so much to the imagination. It was so creepy it and ominous. It was so and... creepy and ominous, and it's the story that you know 
you know, but but you're like, ooh, but I mean, we know, but how are they going to do it? I was Spielberg and Tom Cruise going to do it. This is going to be this is going to be wild. And at that point, he that was right before the Cruise Cliff. This yeah. was yeah, this was on the precipice of that. This was when he went on that crazy press tour in yeah. uh, Summer of '05. Yep. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we talk and, about and, that. And don't couch jumping summer quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. And uh, and he, uh, I I was so excited about that movie from the trailer. Yeah. And the eventual movie that came out, which is not to say I, I wildly dislike it, but I think it is. it was so very different from what the trailer had led me to believe I was going to be seeing. I think if there was, like, a movie that I need to watch again more than almost any movie, it might be War of the Worlds. <laughs> because I have, like, such a weird... I have, like, no opinion on it, other than that I think I don't like it that much. I saw it in theaters. Right? Um, yeah. I watched it again pretty recently. It was yeah. a night that I was at home and I had had several drinks. I got home <laughs> and it you. was and it was like <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those nights where I, I got home and I was like, should I keep drinking and stay up and watch a movie or not? And I was like, you know, I know what? what I'll turn on. Wow, for me, if if it's should I keep drinking, it's should I keep drinking and pass out quickly. Well, <laughs> not turn on War of the Worlds. So sometimes you don't finish the movie. Often you don't finish the movie in that situation. In yeah. this, I did finish the movie. Wow, I stayed for the whole film yeah. I hadn't seen it since theaters yeah. and uh, I, a lot of the stuff that I remembered seeing it the first time was exactly the same which is like I don't really understand how they managed to get Tim Robbins in this movie right after he won an Oscar in this role because this is just a bad choice for him mm-hmm. that he shouldn't like that part of the movie's weird the last like 45 minutes of the movie's bad it ends in an awful way but the first 45 to an hour is great like the suspense is awesome right Cruise at the top of his game that's where he's got the line where he's like Get in the car, Manny, or you're going to die. Like, he's got that. Yeah, he says die. that to Lenny Venito. That's yeah. the actor's name. Yeah. Uh, and he's a good dude, and uh, that's a great scene. Yeah, that's when the... They, when they blow up Queens. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But, yeah, there's... But then there there are some real gigantic problematic parts of that movie, and I don't want to dissect it, but... Like the aliens in general? Like the aliens in general, <laughs> yeah, and it's, it is the... I, I don't know if it's the textbook definition of a deus ex machina. Yeah. But the way the aliens are defeated has nothing to do with mankind's ingenuity. Right. It's just a cold, right? Right. Yeah, they the get flu sick or something. Yeah, they, they get, get the... sick because of our human bacteria that they weren't accustomed to. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then but they, they can travel here from light years away. Cool I ending. Just... And then that kid yeah. whose name I can never remember, Justin something. What's that? Justin something. Uh, he's and then alive. Joaquin's little brother pours water on them. They all die. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that how it ends? <laughs> that's exactly it. And then and then you cut back and there's an alien, but he's playing with a sack of marbles. And Earth. No, that's minute. Oh, that's minute. Nope. Right. Um, all right. So, what do you got? What's your uh, movie? I I revealed it already because oh, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Actually, you know what? No, no, no. I'll change it up. It's another one of my favorite trailers we talk about all the time. This one I'm going to go with is going to be Snake Eyes. And uh, wow, yeah. So it's so funny because I was actually going to mention Snake Eyes is the last movie where Ben and I were wasted during that we actually <laughs> completed. That made no sense. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was I don't. Horrible. Yeah. So uh, movies that I grew up watching trailers for. I remember on VHS tapes. Um, Congo is my all-time favorite that I watch the trailer a lot of times for, and I've I've referenced it and I've done the voiceover many many times. But, All right, but uh, Snake Eyes has the same trailer voice guy. It's my favorite trailer voice guy. It's the guy that did like. The, is it Don LaFontaine? Maybe he's the guy that did like around like ninety three to about ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the guy. It in would world. take two scientists. Yeah, that's almost that guy. Don LaFontaine. Right. So Snake Eyes is the great one that starts out with Nick Cage and he's got like the leopard print jacket. He's like, I'm Rick Santoro. I'm Rookie. Yeah. And uh, and I'm the king. And it's got Gary Sinise and, and Carly Gugino and like 
it's just great. And then they, there's a phantom punch. Yes, exactly. Just thrown in there. You're like, what the fuck is yeah, anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, like, and Sinise has the line where he's like, you, you, you can't hold 14,000. There's 14,000 eyewitnesses! Uh, anyway, I love that trailer. You're scaring the children. And <laughs> no, I, I, it's clear how, how much you enjoy that oh, trailer. Oh, the trailer is amazing. It's an unwatchably bad movie. It's, Can I tell you my favorite thing about that movie? Yes. Gary Sinise's character yeah. in that film yep. is named Kevin Dunn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember yes, that. Yeah, yes. we talked because we the love Kevin Dunn. Actor yeah. Kevin Dunn is also <laughs> in that movie. I, I interviewed Kevin Dunn at the SAG Awards like two years ago, I think. Yeah. And I think I hadn't realized that yet. We watched it like maybe six months later. Yeah. And I had a moment I was like, if I had only seen this earlier, I could have had I the greatest see- Kevin Dunn interview in the world. I worked with him for one day yeah. on Jobs, the okay. Ashton Kutcher, okay. Steve Jobs movie. Yeah. And I was I I had about ten minutes with him at base camp. Yeah. And uh, and I, we were just having a cup of coffee, and I was like, "Hey, can I ask you something?" He's like, "Yeah, what's up?" And then I mentioned that exact thing. <laughs> yes. I said, "So the movie Snake Eyes goes." Uh-huh. I was like, "Sinise's character is Kevin Dunn, D U N N E," and obviously you are also Kevin Dunn. I was like, "Was that something that came up after you took the role?" And he went, "I didn't know about it till we were finished." And I was like, "And if you had, would you have said anything?" He's like. No, I don't care. That's pretty good, Kevin Dunn. <laughs> oh, that's, nice. that's excellent. That's, that's amazing. He's because he plays the uh, he was the, the principal, principal and warrior and the right. dad in Transformers. The dad right. Transformers. He's also uh, he's in one of the he's in one of the the Tony Scott movies. Oh yeah, he's in a uh, uh, Taking. I'm pretty sure. Oh no, it's uh, it's definitely unstoppable. And it's definitely oh, it is unstoppable. You are yeah. fired, yeah. sir. Yeah, and it's like he's well, the my favorite Kevin Dunn role is Dave. Okay. With Kevin Klein. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, well, we'll know about Dave. Um, <laughs> Dave. Sorry, guys. That's uh, okay. It's so okay. sorry. Didn't mean to bring up old wounds. <laughs> so, uh, moving on to star profiles here, this is uh, pretty interesting, because Michael Shannon, like we said, was kind of at the top of his career, but his career kind of didn't really go super far. He's one of those guys. He's like an incredible character actor. He'll was probably win an Oscar one day. big role uh, Nocturnal Animals? I think it maybe was. That sounds right. Probably. I, I mean, here's the thing, and, and if this is the one thing I think I can helpfully add from my line of work, mm-hmm. there are actors who routinely get offered big roles in big studio movies, yeah. but if they don't feel the need to live large, yeah, if they right. don't feel like, oh no, I gotta do another big studio film or I'm gonna become irrelevant, and they are really picky people who just like to do material they respond to, Yeah. Then they're okay with not being in giant hit after giant hit, right. and I and I can say almost unequivocally, I think Michael Shannon is the epitome of that. He is a theater actor by right. by right. trade, yeah, and he always says that too. He's like, I'm not a movie star; I'm a theater guy, and so yeah. I've seen him in at least three different Broadway shows over the years. Oh, really? Because that's what he does. Is he'll do a couple movies, some big, some not, and then he'll immediately go back and do a show or direct a show. And so that's where his home base is. So when he branches out and does movies, it's not because he's looking to score a giant paycheck. It's because he wants to do something he responds to. I'm guessing this was a little bit of of both uh, ends of that when he was offered this and decided to do it. It's like, sure... It's a huge paycheck, but it could also be a big role in the thing. It's and like as big as it gets. If you're right. going to take a movie yeah. like this, right. it's not taking Transformers 4. Exactly. And, um, and it puts him in a position to then financially be able to only take the roles he really wants to. You know, he's worked with over the years like a bunch of times, so he clearly really likes is Jeff Nichols. He's in like every oh, Jeff yeah. Nichols movie. He was in Shotgun Stories. Right. He was in the original one, which I can't think of the name of. Uh, but he was in Mud, and he was right. also in Midnight yeah, Special. Especially. He's in like all of his movies. And yeah. I think Jeff Nichols is a guy, in a few years, people are going to talk about that guy a lot more because 
HUD's a really good movie. Yeah, that's yeah. you say that about Shannon because uh, another person that, that, that does that a lot is, is Daniel Day Lewis. Not in that he um, right. acts in theater a lot, but well, he'll just walk away and come back when he wants to do things. And, yeah. and I know that's a different class because D. Day Lewis and the amount of Oscars he's won. But I, I, I love that about Shannon, and you can see it in the movies that he does because you really feel like he has a great attachment to his characters, whether it's the Iceman, Nixon, I mean Frost Nixon, or um, excuse me, Zod. Uh, he crushes it. So on the other end of it, everyone in the chat, first of all. Everyone in the chat is very happy to see Sam. We got Aww. tons of people in here, <laughs> linebackers and action army alike. Um, they were like, "Why is no one talking about Henry Cavill with his shirt off?" Because this was just, just the, up on the screen the whole time. We're talking about Shannon. Yeah, it's great. So, a uh, couple yeah. things about Henry Cavill's left ab in the middle. Yep. Um, what about his pecs? His pecs are almost so, too big. So just I, those shoulders. How do you do that? They look like they look like uh, uh, turkey legs. <laughs> So he was before getting cast in this movie. Uh, he was it's known crazy. for basically Immortals was the movie that when they cast right. him in this, yeah. it was Immortals actor Henry Cavill as Superman, and, right? and, uh, and from the Tudors. Yeah, 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 and he had been around because uh, you know it's he's you know this is probably at the point that he got cast. He's probably around thirty, I'm guessing, or early thirty, something like that. Um, he had been a body guy, so people notice, but. His whole thing with this role was that he wanted to push his body to that next level. He wanted to make sure there was no CGI. Um, he was going to make sure 100% that... And so Snyder felt like it was important to have this shirtless scene that we have on the screen here. Yeah, right. So people understood that it wasn't just a suit with rubber in it, that this was a real thing. And apparently he had, you know, to get huge like that, he was eating like 5,000 calories a day. And that for uh, four weeks going into this shoot, he cut to 1,500 calories a day. Oh, God. Um, which is so zero body fat. Seven so, percent yeah, like, body fat is what he was at when they shot this. Oh my god! Which is like that's like bodybuilder level. He had pushed himself to yeah. the level of a bodybuilder, yeah. which is crazy because like you look and he doesn't even have like an eight pack. No. You know what I mean? Like his his abs aren't even super super cut like yeah. a bodybuilder's is, and that's like Hollywood superstar training and cutting and I'm, all that. I'm gonna go yeah. ahead and say it. I think he skipped leg day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. I think so, it was he was f- focused only on the core and the shoulders. And those traps, <laughs> like we will he never skipped, show you below the waist. Skip Don't leg worry. day. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, speaking of you know Henry Cavill, his obviously since playing Superman, his career has uh, well, he's done some things, but he's in the, he's he's having the issue that people have who play Superman, which is that. You don't get to do that many other cool things. It's like playing James Bond. You do a few things here and there, but yeah. most people just see you as the guy that is Superman. Yeah, Craig has kind right. of done the, a really, really great job of uh, of being able to do other things. To do other things. Yeah. So while you're talking about that, Kearns, our good buddy Matthew Kearns over at Take Three Productions, uh, asked a question about: Do you think yeah. Henry Cavill's Superman's legacy will outlast that of Christopher Reeve's Superman? Ooh. I have to give a hard no on that. And it's not even because I don't think... Because I think he looks, sounds, acts. He's a really, really great Superman. Like, Cav- like Cavill, to me, feels so much like the Superman that I would imagine. But it's just different because he wasn't the first guy to do it. Right. And 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 Christopher, like, when he did it, it was amazing. They were like, oh, they got him to fly. We see that in a movie now. Yeah. And he was such a national treasure as a person as well. Yeah. That it's just different. It and is, also what he yeah. went through after. Sorry, go ahead. No, no what I was, was, was going to tag on to that, which is, so after the fourth Superman film, uh, you know, he, he Christopher Reeve still acted, but he never really had any big hits or anything. Yeah. And then, of course, he had his terrible accident and then passed away. Um and so, in, in by default, he doesn't have this tremendous post-Superman body of work. So really, you say Christopher Reeve. Yeah. I don't think most people off the street can even name another Christopher Reeve movie that isn't Superman. I can't. 
Yeah, I, I don't um, think I could either off the top of my head. And but they all know who he is. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so Henry Cavill, he worked a little before it. He's he's working a little bit after it. I think uh, you know he's probably going to have a very long and robust career. So it's it's very difficult in the giant conversation to ever think that. Cavill will be at, more well known as Superman than Christopher Reeve, at least in our generation. I don't know how they'll feel fifty years from now. Well, yeah. he is going to be. I mean, so so there's Man from Uncle, which no one watched, but he's going to be in Mission Impossible as well. Mission Impossible Six. He's yeah. going to be, and I think he's the villain. Which oh, that's good. I think I like so. That. He might be. He might be one of the good guys. I'm not sure of the role, but he has the mustache. We all know about the mustache. Yep. Um, that should be. People watch those movies. They're huge yeah. hits. So yeah. you know, it's tough. I mean. I we we do a segment on this show every now and then, Sam. It's called um, you know career defining role. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you would obviously obviously say Henry Cavill's is a career defining role. But like like you said, we can't even name another Reeve movie. We no. can't. Well, I could name several, and but that's could. not the game. Yeah, no, that's right. not what we're we, doing here. We can't. We get it. Okay, you won. <laughs> All right. God damn. It. If you name a Christopher Reeve movie, you're fired. I, I understand. I understand. Uh, but like that's Superman. That's what we. That's what we all grew up. And, and those movies were adored when they came out yeah. too. As opposed to Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman, where it's like everyone out there is kind of like they hate him or they're like up in arms about it. So, and then you got he he designed what we all expect Superman to look like. like right. I know you saw it in the comic books, but he was the perfect embodiment. Yeah. Like you want to talk about Brosnan being the perfect looking Bond? Yeah. Reeves was the perfect looking Superman. And, yeah. And we all loved him. And he was even a, a perfect looking Clark Kent. Whereas, like, Cavill at the end of this, it's a joke. It's like when they put the, the glasses on Gal. It's yeah, almost right. like yeah. making fun of this. I, yeah, yeah. I, I can't with the glasses for Clark Kent. That maybe worked in comic books, yeah. but in real life, we've got to, we've got to give him a mustache. Let's do something. Yeah, right. Totally. How dumb is everyone at the Daily Planet? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, right? Like, the, this this thing that everyone's been talking about and everyone's been covering, and Lois Lane specifically has been covering. Is yeah. um <laughs> is this still just up on the screen while we're talking? I'm pretty sure Marissa <laughs> just had a heart attack. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> Real quick, I just want to add for anyone at home who actually cares about Christopher Reeve. Yeah. This is very quick. His best dramatic work was in a yeah. film called Street Smart. Okay. And his best comedy is in a film called Noises Off. I highly recommend you check out both if you want to see other sides of Christopher Reeve that is not bad. Or that's not Superman. Yeah, um, let's great. let's oh, jump into... Go ahead. Really yeah, quickly yeah. before you get into production development. A couple people have been asking in the chat, and you kind of mentioned it. Henry Cavill refused to take steroids to yep. muscle up for the role. Yep. And he also refused any digital touch-ups or enhancements to his body via CGI. So that's why they had that scene right there yeah. uh, where um, it showed him shirtless. So yeah. that was a couple people were just asking about that. I wanted to reiterate. Please continue. Gotcha. Okay, the picture has not been up on the screen the whole time. I know. It's just for <laughs> us to look at, which is excellent, <laughs> which by the way. better. Um, so let's talk about the people that made this movie. Um, really, a lot of these people we have talked about extensively. The most interesting thing here is that Christopher Nolan and Emma Thomas serve as producers while Zack Snyder and Deborah Snyder work together on the film. So two Ooh, couples, yeah. two couples both who work exclusively basically on each other's, uh, on on. Each Snyder and Nolan basically have a producing partner who is their spouse, sure. yeah. um, which is an interesting thing going on there. Charles Roven uh, has been involved in like all of these big movies. He's made over $3 billion as a producer, so that's a big name that's attached here. I do think that after this film, he stepped down from that role or, or mm. changed roles. Um, but I think probably talking about Snyder is the most interesting. You have David Goyer, that yeah. was one of the co-writers on the film. He's heavily involved in all these types of movies. You know, uh, Batman Begins. His first screenplay was Death Warrant in 1989. Oh, yeah. Van Damme. Oh, is this yeah. the one where he... He bought the car? Is, yeah. that, is that David yeah, S. Goyer? I think so. That story? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. Um, but 
Yeah, he bought an Azuzu Trooper, which was stolen the very first night after he drove it home with his first paycheck from doing the Sean Glenn Van Dam film Death War. It's my favorite story. Did Van Dam steal it? Yeah. Imagine like making a movie, Sam, and being like, "I'm gonna go get that Azuzu Trooper now." God damn it! And then it gets stolen, which is like just the ultimate breakdown. So, so that's I'm, him. I, I bet David Leisure stole it. Now that joke is gonna make sense to only people over forty-five. You're over forty-five? No. Oh. <laughs> but oh, people over 45 will enjoy that joke so make sure you retell it to them so right. Snyder I think is the person to talk about here quickly yeah yeah, uh, yeah and so Snyder a lot of people don't know he got to start doing uh, commercials he had done like a lot of car commercials action car commercials BMW yeah. Audi ended up working for other brands like Reebok um, got his start as a director on the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Um, this right. is the one that it looks kind of music video ish. It has it's very visual. The Ving um, Rhames one. The Ving Rhames. I one. love that movie from '04. It's a pretty it's a sweet movie. One. Yeah. I would call it the Sarah Pauly one. Sarah oh, Pauly. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. I only have seen the movie in theaters, and aside from so, I think aside from Ving Rhames, I don't really remember who's in it. I just reminds me. I just oh. think of Forty uh, Year Old Virgin now. Because gotcha. it's the one they lock him in the room and Sarah, play. Sarah Polly, oh, really? Ty Burrell. Yes, that's uh, I knew that. Uh, yeah. Mackay Pfeiffer. Hell yeah. Oh, Mackay okay. Pfeiffer. This is a couple years after Eight Mile, right? <clears throat> mm. So he follows that up with 300, which is obviously the, the big breakthrough movie for him. That's yeah. the one that established his style. Um, and he's kind of been doing that same thing that he did with 300 ever since. Um, it was a great lesson for people that we can take pages out of a comic book. We can make them look just as good on the screen. Mm-hmm. Sucker Punch. Sucker that was punch. the one that was the biggest letdown. That's for the me. big flop. Uh, yeah. Watchmen is a very famous one that he did. And then aside from that, he's basically just been doing DC movies. Uh, Batman versus Superman. He did do uh, uh, the, the Owls of Gahul. Uh, oh, talking about that movie. Rise of the Guardians. <laughs> a movie that I'm sure Sam has watched. Uh, <laughs> I only watched that movie because I was at that theater where they kept trying to show Guardians of the Galaxy, but it kept being <laughs> that the, movie. The Guardians. Rise of the Guardians. Rise of the Guardians. It's just a recurring nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> this is hell. Dream. This is what hell is like. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's Zack Snyder. At this point, uh, obviously, there was there was a tragedy in his life. He stepped down, and Joss Whedon finished up with Justice League, and that is where yeah. Zack Snyder is currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, plans for. Other works in the in the franchise have been discussed, and we'll, I'm sure he'll continue working with the DC universe. Yes. Yeah. Our condolences, of course, yep. to Mr. Snyder. Uh, moving on, the money in this movie is always fun to talk about. These films, it was released by Warner Brothers. It cost $225 million to make. It was a summer movie of 2013 being released in June, and it grossed $291 million domestically and an additional 377 worldwide for a grand total of $668 million. Um, and it made $116 million its opening weekend, which is all pretty great. I am a little surprised, a little surprised at the $300 million, I guess. But it was probably because when people had started to go see it, it just they weren't saying great things. Yeah, you, I think they wanted more money out of this. They spent two twenty five to make it, plus probably another $100 million to market it, I'm guessing. Yeah, I, well, I, I was going to ask if we know how much of the, the P&A numbers are in that original production budget. Uh, I'm pretty positive... And, I, and, and I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty positive on box office they exclude that part of the budget right. from their uh, from their initial. Because sometimes every now and then I'll go and read on Wikipedia and the adjusted budget will be like $30 million more. Or yeah. Like $40 million more due to advertising. With, the, right. with the big ones like this, because 225 sounds about par for the course with movies this big for what they cost. Sure. Um, so you have to assume there's a bunch of money spent. It I prob- would say there's at least another $75 million spent. Yes, Minimum for sure. $75 million on P&A. Especially with movies like this and the massive massive level of advertising i mean trailers for man of steel were playing relentlessly yeah it's i mean it's interesting too because it, it's a massive hit in the sense that like 
when you make a movie and you promote it and it costs you 300 million but you bring in almost 700 million like that's mm-hmm. a really successful movie right. um, but not successful enough that they didn't that they wanted to make another Superman movie right away. They wanted to make a Batman versus Superman movie. I think wasn't that always though the plan because wasn't the wasn't the plan to figure out the shortest route to get to Justice League? I mean, I think so, but yeah. I also think that in, in, in the Marvel world, uh, it's quite possible that the sequel would have come out. Like, Iron Man 2 came out before Avengers. So Right, but I but when they did Iron Man, there was no... It wasn't a, a right. multi-picture. They weren't thinking about the Avengers yet. True. You know, it was still a pipe dream. Let's see how Iron Man does. That's fair. That's fair. Well, I mean, this was 2013. Was there a 2014 movie that I'm forgetting? There wasn't, right? Of, of what? Another DC movie in the canon. Ooh. There wasn't... They didn't make Batman except with Ben Affleck in 2014. Right. And at that point, so that's sort of my point, is like, I, I feel like um, if they could have, yeah. they would have made another Superman movie before BVS because oh, yeah, I they think could have was... made seven or eight hundred million more dollars. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the, if the, even though the first one will make a bundle, yeah. depending on how it really is received after the fact, can make or break your sequel. True. So BVS did incredibly well at the box office, though, did it not? Yeah, it made a lot From what of I money. remember. Yeah. So I, I really wonder what a standalone film for Superman would have done. Man another one. Two. Yeah, I wonder. I, I'm glad they didn't. I think BVS really? had to have been the smart decision. Yeah. Aren't they yeah. going to do another one at some point? I think they are. And that's what a lot of people Probably, were saying yeah. online. They were wondering, they, they actually think that there was a, it was a misstep in not doing it before Batman vs. Superman. I don't really know. I don't really know how I feel about that. Creatively, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But again, you have to understand Warner Brothers' sole plan yeah. was to get to sure. Justice League as fast as possible. Spin off their six other movies. Exactly. Yeah, yeah right. for sure. So, right, so really quickly, a couple of people have been talking about this as we're getting into critical. It seems appropriate. People have been talking about Williams and Zimmer a lot. Yeah. The score. Do you guys have any preferences of either? I think they're two of the greatest composers of our generation. I'm not sure. It's a Sophie's choice for me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how, how do you... Like, yeah, both. Yeah, both John of Williams them. and Hans Zimmer. It's like, that's why... I mean, guys, we love your questions, but it's, you know, it's how do you pick between the two of them? It's like t- trying to decide who is better in the 80s, the Lakers or the Celtics. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you could have a preference, I guess, yeah. and you could say, well, based on this, like... This two championships or this number of hits. But I was like, born in Boston. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, but I like those players a lot more, and those teams yeah. were better, and they, play, you know, it's like, how do you decide? So yeah. yes. that's kind of, I think, what it was. Um, let's continue moving through here. Uh, we talked about critical seven point one on IMDb seems about right. Maybe six point nine is more what I would have expected, considering the Rotten Tomato scores are fifty five for uh, all critics, fifty for top critics, and seventy five for audience. It does reflect the normal balance of our movies we like to cover on the show where the audience okay. score is significantly higher. Sure. Um, 50 feels very low for top critics. This movie's better than a 50%. I agree. I, w- I, would, I would give it a fresh. I would give it like 62. Yeah, I mean, that means that half of everyone that went out there didn't like it, of the critics. It doesn't mean that they gave it a 50%. It means that they either did or didn't, and it just seems crazy the, that half of them the, the problem is you have a lot of critics who think like me and then let it affect their work right right if a superhero movie is something they really don't want to see but have to see for work they can't really judge it fairly well and i do yeah. think that the, the, with this movie the issue is not that the middle is too long it's that the last hour is too long last so, hour which we haven't even talked about and we don't yeah. have to because it's been talked to death everywhere but it's insane this this fight that they have they can't hurt each other yeah they, yeah. they, they cause millions and millions of dollars in damage they yeah. probably kill thousands of people yeah and nothing happens. There's nothing going on between the two of them. They can't inflict any real pain or damage to the other one until the ultimate uh, move. We're, we're running short right. on time. Which even then, it's kind of like it's kind of like well, we're just at the point now. Where we're tired now. Yeah. Or bored now. Yeah. So yeah. what I will say is this, and I, and I and I don't 
think that that's entirely unintentional. I think what you're actually talking about is something that Zack Snyder probably had in mind, which was like For... two two gods fighting each other yeah. would throw each other through human buildings, and these buildings would collapse and people would die, and we're not going to show gory deaths of people, but we're going to show what would really happen if two people of this power level were fighting in a human city. I just think that like the scenes that would illustrate that damage and how negative it was yeah. were saved for BVS and they weren't shown in this movie. And yeah. Snyder was like, I don't want to add 15 more minutes of movie to this. Sure. Yeah, and a lot of it but, is like, well, it could have been this or it is this. Or like, you know, one I heard today was like, well, you know, Superman's still learning the extent of his power. It's like, I don't need all these excuses. No. I need you to tell me the story the way that you want it to be heard and, and like and received. The sidekick fight just never needed to happen. That's the biggest, that's the biggest lesson is you just yeah. didn't need the 25 minutes of Superman fighting two henchmen. Yeah. or a henchman and henchwoman mm-hmm. it's just not necessary yeah. and Hench you also people. don't need to see Diane Lane get thrown by a god to the ground get up and have nothing happen she's, a, <laughs> she's an elderly woman in this movie like yeah, dead get your hands off Diane Lane yeah. don't touch yeah. her uh, so that being said guys let's hop into our favorite line yeah and, and for me I'll jump in first on this um, my favorite line in this movie is is through and through the the line that Costner has with with Clark when he says you know you're the answer son you've what we've all been looking for and he says can I just keep pretending I'm your son and he has the you are my son you are my that's son. the best yeah, like kind of whole crappy movie. voice yeah, yeah. yeah it's great it's a well written line I mean yeah. it's, a, it's a good it's a good concept that you have about Superman you probably don't think about sure yeah. Uh, mine is uh, when uh, after uh, Lois gets ejected from the alien ship and in her little pod and it's clearly not going to make it all the way to back to Earth yeah. and Ghost Dad is still standing there and they blow a hole in the side of the spaceship and he tells him, he's like, you can save her. Yeah. You can save all of them. Yes, yeah, that good. is my line. That is oh, what I have it? written down right oh, here. I'm no, so, no, I'm so glad perfect. I went first then. Yeah, no, that's uh, great. I'm that's, so glad. Because that's like, yes, Superman, that's yes. why you're here. Yeah. Save us. Save all of us. And that's one of those moments, because like, my biggest problem with Superman is that he's too powerful. He's too this. He's too that. He can't be beaten. And it's like, in that moment, like that, that's the, that is the greatness of Superman. And is in, that he can save everyone. And in the parody version of this movie, he would say, you can save them. You can save all of them. And you could have saved Kevin Costner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you could have moved really uh, fast and grabbed him. Yeah. And nobody would have been like, oh, what happened? It's a tornado. It's a tornado. I I seeing stuff. In, Don't worry about it. Suck me back. Yeah. So uh, quickly before we get to the wrap up here, let's just run through some of our favorite movie dads uh, in, in reference to the fact that, that father line and father line. Those oh, are yeah. Favorites. This whole movie is yeah. a tale of two dads. So some yeah. of our favorite fathers. Quick uh, honorable that mention. That covered on the show. That we've covered on actually movie down which you guys can go find the catalog on youtube or on the itunes store um the very first episode we ever did honorable mention to harrison ford uh to to the president in air force one get off my plane you've got uh, denzel in the taking of pelham one two three and unstoppable a very similar character in both movies he has two two beautiful daughters that he loves that he likes to take care of um pelham has the line that we all love so much the, uh, i took a bribe and i used the money to put my daughters through college great. what did you use the money for <laughs> yeah, use nice. the money have you seen taking pelham one two three the new I one have, I did have. you hate it I, 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 given how much I like the original, I did not care for the I remake. don't care for it either. Yeah. yeah. It's I Ben's it. favorite movie. <laughs> uh, all right, now for the five. The five that we chose that we think are the five best dads. Number one, this is no particular order, Logan. Great uh, dad. He's a great dad. Takes care of his daughter. He's got cancer. Uh, gives his life to save his daughter. Spoiler alert. Yep. Um, and he takes care of his dad. He calls him dad. Yeah. Even though he's not his real dad, but yeah. Uh, Warrior. We've got Nick Nolte, Academy yeah. Award nominated role. Uh, yeah. Patty Conlon. He's an alcoholic. He's an abuser. He's 300 days sober when we yeah. meet him. Yeah. Uh, no, 1,000 days sober. 1,000 days. 1,000 days, Tommy. The only difference between Nick Nolte and Warrior and uh, Hulk 
Yeah. Is that uh, when his son gets angry in Warrior, he doesn't turn green. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, I think it might be the same character. It's fair enough. Oh uh, we, we, we obviously, uh, the redemptive qualities of the character would sell it for us. Um, no, no, <laughs> the alcoholism? No <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, number three, Benjamin Martin from the Patriot. Uh, Mel Gibson. Mm. That dad, he lost a lot of sons in that war. Aim small. Re- yeah. small. That, yeah, that, I don't know. He, he kind of put his youngest really... In a tough spot when he was yeah. like, "I need you to come and fight," and like, right? That was a that was a ballsy move, but it was a different time. <laughs> yep. It was a different time. <laughs> he was twelve. He was twelve. He was, was ready fine. to go to war. He died. Uh, number four, dear Hummingbird. I hope this daughter still finds you attending the first grade. Look, he was wow. able to buy his daughter a gift while he was in prison. Yeah. I think that speaks volumes. Yeah, dear Janie. Uh, dear Janie, I Cameron, use all my commissary Cameron money. Cameron Poe himself. Cameron Poe, <laughs> the hair, uh, unbelievable. And finally, the, the ultimate dad in an action movie. I have a very particular set of skills. Oh, Mr. Yes. Brian Mills, how do you not just, he's the best. Yeah, right? if anyone can be my dad in any of the movies we've covered, it's got to be Brian Mills because he would protect me no matter what. Yeah, but I feel like there's, isn't there some dad in all of these action movies who also makes their kids laugh? Like, all these guys are so, <laughs> they're so robotic, these guys that you've mentioned. I, I make a question putting in uh, 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 Bruce Willis from Armageddon. Uh, he makes me laugh. Oh, yeah. He okay. Makes, well, he tries to Harry kill. Uh, Stamper. Yeah, Harry Stamper. There you go. You've wow. got a pretty good point there. I don't think any of these dads have <laughs> no. that <laughs> no, actual no, 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 father they're quality. They're very serious. They've all just lost very their child. And who's best guys. at getting it back? Yeah. Another Harry, Ta- uh, Harry Tasker from True Okay, Lies. there you Harry go. Tasker. Dana! Dana! All right, so uh, I think we are, we are running a little short on time, so uh, I think the only AMA question... Yeah, it's got to be... This is the one that everyone asks from Janine L.C who designs the incredible logos for the Schmodown as well. Do you agree with the final kill? I mean, I feel the kill was necessary and he totally conflicted about it, but people think it was so off character. He had to do it. I totally agree with it. Um, the, the alternative in that movie is that you show f- four people, two of them children, getting incinerated and then him uh, restraining Zod. It's yeah. just like, that's not a good... I, I, guess, I guess Zod dying in a different way would have been fine, maybe, but I think that the kill needed to happen it doesn't bother me it 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 bothers me less last night was the second time i'd ever seen this movie it bugged me the first time i saw it just because everyone kept saying oh this isn't what superman is right right but then i remembered like no they're trying to do a different superman than we have ever seen yeah they're trying to really make superman question his morality Mm -hmm. how he fits in on earth what his job is here and i'm not bothered by the kill because this is not your uh, father's superman yeah, I actually enjoy the kill. I think it's great. I think it's necessary. I was even watching it being like, you guys, is there a way for him to get away? Is there anything? It's, there's not. It's right. what he had to do. And his right. yell afterwards of killing Zod and the realization of what he just did is is pretty powerful. It's a good moment. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, all right, guys, we're going to get into the last bit of the show here. There are three action movie categories that are totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, and ridiculously legitimate. Totally ridiculous movies are like the, you know... That's Demolition be, Man. Yes, and Con Air and Face Off. They're ridiculous all the way through. They're super okay. fun, but they're silly. Um, totally legitimate are going to be movies like The Fugitive, maybe uh, movies like Gladiator, and uh, in some cases, movies like even like Lone Survivor. It's yeah. very serious. Well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's it doesn't rid- ever fall apart at all. Ridiculously legitimate are movies that are driven by something pretty great, maybe a great performance or one really, really wonderful part, but overall, you, you, you laugh pretty unintentionally through through bits and pieces the of the rock, movie. Rock, Predator, Speed. Point Break. Yeah. Um, those are our favorites. That's the middle category. So, in your humble opinions, where does Man of Steel land? 
I mean, this seems like a very easy question. Oh, it does is, it? It is go totally ahead. ridiculous. Yes. Okay. I love the there conviction. conviction. It's totally ridiculous. We have aliens. We have flying men around. Yeah. The... Here's my thing. We have, like, Superman, and then we have alien ships coming, and then, like, cities and towns where people are, like, still going shopping at stores Yeah, yeah and right. Stuff. They're still out doing at the things. IHOP. Yeah. Like, literally an alien ship just landed right. one town over. And, right. and you're just for another alien. You're going to get a, a, a short stack? Cool. Yeah. This yeah. seems fine. Yeah, right. What do you got? I love that. I love that. Yeah. I'm 100% on board. You totally, think it's totally ridiculous. Any, any argument I wanted to make about Crow and Costner and growing up, it, totally. Who the fuck goes to IHOP <laughs> and there's a spaceship <laughs> in the sky? Say. You don't have to go into work today. It's fine. Yes. <laughs> Aliens are here. Uh, I'm going to say the middle category. Yeah. Ridiculous. Wow. Legit. I just like so much of the first hour of this movie. You the just first love Costner. I do. I really do. I think the first hour of this movie is like really has some powerful moments and it makes me feel things that I don't I don't think that the movie just falls flat. It has too many moments that, that bring me in and feel like, oh, you guys are doing something pretty pretty sweet here. This is like a good thing that makes me feel great about this movie. And then obviously, you know, the whole hour at the end is just absurd. So that's my that's my opinion. We uh, agree to disagree, which is always how it is. All right. um, guys, there's one last thing on the show. It's called The Pitch. Oh, yeah, you didn't see that coming, Sam. We'll never huh. tell anybody, Sam. Wow. <laughs> uh, we don't have a pitch movie yeah. this week. We've been doing a lot of uh, audience polls and putting things up on Facebook. So it's a good reminder for everybody watching to go join the Facebook fan page. Mask Zora, Mask Zora. Follow us on Twitter at AMA Podcast. We're going to put up a poll this week so you guys can decide the movie that we want to cover next week. Guys, where can the folks find you if they want to follow along with your exploits? Uh, you can still find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Sam Levine, S-A-M-M-L-E-V-I-N-E. And on the Facebook, um, uh, the, uh, the the Above the Line fan page. Oh, yeah, yeah the linebackers. The yeah. linebackers. Linus Babcock. Hashtag linebackers. Babcock. <laughs> uh, yeah, you guys can find me at Andrew Guy and uh, Instagram and Twitter. And we'll be seeing you in about a month-ish, I think, all at a... Oh, yeah, spectacular. Happens, right? yeah. You got a lot of work to do. Oh, boy, I don't want to think about it. I just want to try to enjoy to my life for a minute. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to do that. But yeah, thanks again for being here, man. We know you're very busy. My pleasure, guys. Yeah, yeah thanks thank for having you me. so much, Sam. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye, guys. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.